Hey, I'm Randy. And I'm Jim. This is Leave the Bottle. Which is a podcast that you can find on leavethebottlepodcast.com. And iTunes and Stitcher and my new favorite, Pocket Cast for Android. Good. Um, that's a it, that's a really great app. I talked it up the other day, but it really is. If you're if you're a podcast holic like I am, it's brilliant. And now on top of that, if you have uh, say a Google Google Chromecast, you can cast your podcasts right to your TV to your sound system and all that stuff. That's why my wife and I were listening to Jimmy Dore last night. I turned her on to him and. Quick, let's uh, do the recommendation cool. right away. Jimmy yeah, Dore. Right. listen to Jimmy well, Dore's I, podcast. It's spelled well, look, D-O-R-E. <laughs> D-O-R-E, yes. And uh, first of all, Randy, I have to ask you if you've recovered yet from this week's Good Wife. Uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. But, but I'll tell you what. My wife read about it, and she told me. I'll never forgive her for that. <gasps> she, she told she, you. She, she did spoiled, spoiled it. Yeah, oh. yeah, she did the spoiler. What's French for you suck? Oh, that was terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. I admonished her. Uh, she said, well, I saw it all over the Internet. How come I didn't see it all over the Internet? I'm it on the Internet everywhere. 20 times more than her. It more was than everywhere. She. Well, the thing is, because you being in France, you're in a wildly different time zone. Yeah. Me, being at, me being in the United States East Coast, Sunday nights on Twitter, because I'm a big Twitter person, Sunday nights for Twitter is a horror show for freaking people who have nothing better to do than live watch TV shows while they tweet. And that it's like, odd. well, sport. maybe they don't have anybody else to watch with that. Well, sports, I get it. You know, if you're watching a world oh, yeah. series, a world cup or something like that, that it's sports. I mm-hmm. get live tweeting during that. Yeah. I will never, ever, if I live to be 105, which I'm sure I won't, but if I do whatever technologies when I'm 105, that allows for that, I still won't do it. I don't understand people's need to be watching a drama show, especially, and live tweeting it. And Sunday night, I'm on Twitter. It's the best night for TV, too. It is. It's the best. Oh, yeah. Between The Walking Dead and between, you know, The Good Wife has a million fans, millions of fans, and the HBO shows typically are on Sunday nights. So it's like you have this convergence of many of the best shows on TV on at the same time or one right after the other. And now it's this new insidious need to talk it out in real time. And so Sunday night, you know, I'm seeing all these people on my feet, including normally pretty together people. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Yeah. Fuck you, good wife. Fuck you. You suck. And it was just <laughs> it was a visceral. I mean, it was wow. like Kennedy was killed or something, you know. I think one of the biggest problems with that kind of thing is that there's not enough people who have cut the cable yet because there's no good reason really to be watching to get oh, people like that, I guess, you know. Um, personally, I prefer to watch with my wife and I yell at the TV. She yells at me for yelling at the TV and then uh, we're done. <laughs> Don't need any hashtags yeah. for that. I, I agree. I, you know, there are ways, not right within Twitter itself, which is a major fail in my, in my opinion, Twitter, their, their native client should have an, uh, a hashtag block and a nice easy hashtag block. Instead, you have to use, say, TweetDeck or HootSuite. You have to use one of those, which it's absurd but, because. Uh, but the, but the TV channels and the the shows love. They this. don't want you to block it exactly. I mean, they I love get this that. hashtag. I mean, I'm sick sure. of seeing the hashtags too, for that matter. But hey, that's you know what I like. I like hashtags actually. I I really do. It's one of the ways I follow, say, for in hockey and and various sports. 
And so I, I think that I think like any other tool, there's really good reasons to have hashtags and it can be abused. And I just I agree with you on the cord cutting thing um, until people really I mean, a lot of people time shift TV now. Uh, that's what I do. That's what I do. I mean, I watch I've right now I just have an antenna and then I have my setup online uh, for uh, TV. I haven't used live TV now in about a week and a half. Uh, I think I watched the news once because I can watch news online if I want. I think I watched the local news once uh, about a week and a half ago. And other than that, in probably a month, I have not used my TV for live uh, because even most sports now uh, I can get online. So there's very little reason at this point. I don't understand the need to be locked in on Sunday night from 9 to 10 o'clock to watch, say, The Good Wife or to watch The Walking Dead especially when I can watch it the next day in 41 or 42 minutes instead of 60 minutes and I can watch it at my leisure. Um, But I get that there's humans are communal. You know, we, we, we like to be in groups and when you're, they feel somehow when they're live tweeting the good wife or walking dead or something like that, somehow they still feel like they're part of this whole communal experience well, I don't get how just typing in on Twitter, oh, my God, OMG, or, you know, yeah. wow, you know, how that's really sharing as part of the communal experience. But that's also, you know, the, well, the 140-character world we live in now. Ex- exactly. I mean, but getting back to, like, watching with uh, our spouses or very close friends or whatever, we, you know, sometimes we even have to pause and and I'll ask her, what would you do? I mean, that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, sure, mo- mostly sure. we'll, we'll watch and the dialogues, you know, if the dialogue isn't that thick a lot of times. For example, if you watch something like Banshee, where there's like a 20-minute fight scene where people are not, then we have plenty of time to say, well, that, that there is a moral dilemma here. Let's discuss, you know, what would you do? You know, what's your feeling? I've asked her, like, for example... Uh, I'm I'm not that thrilled with Law and Order SVU. I'm really sick of the main character, and, and but they do still have the one thing that Law and Order had that's interesting is they pose moral questions, yes. and so you know when it's not horrible, which unfortunately is rare, uh, the moral questions are interesting, and we'll discuss that. Well, you can't do that on you can't go. Well, now that's interesting. You know, what would you do in this case? Because you're not all in front of the set and you're seeing these tweets. So, yeah, I mean, the, the value of that's very low. It's just the communal value. And frankly, I haven't been in a movie theater for probably 15 or more years. So wow. I'm not the enjoy the movie with 25,000 people. I'm not, I'm not really. I, I'm the kind of person who... Um, if I've got people behind me talking in the oh, theater, yeah, even if they're quiet, even if they're quiet, it's, it just gives me <laughs> good example. About a year and a half ago, Led Zeppelin's reunion concert from 2000, uh, 2007 celebration day. Yeah. They, they had it one night in theaters all around the world. And so I went to this local theater because Zeppelin is my favorite band of all time. And I had already seen bootleg copies of it, so but I wanted to see it in the theater and got there and you know, it was like a bunch of us people, you know, late forties, mm-hmm. all the sixties. You know, it was a few young people, but not a ton. And the entire freaking concert, because that's what it was, what these two girls behind us, they had snuck in wine coolers and yacked and yacked and yacked. They talked the entire time about anything but the concert, yeah. anything but Zeppelin, to the point where finally one guy reaches over and tells the girl, would you just shut the fuck up? We're trying to listen to this. 
I know. <laughs> and a whole bunch of people around us were like, yeah, yeah. yeah well, that, yeah. that lasted for all of about five minutes, and all of a sudden they were back to yakking away again about you know, shopping and, and I'm not being sexist. That's exactly what they were yeah. talking about. Uh, and that's the, one of the reasons why I also, I've, I go maybe twice a year. I've started taking my niece to the movies because it's like, okay, then I just accept that the experience is going to be a lot of little kids talking and all that stuff. I can live with that. Well, that's almost cool though, because that's what it is. You know? Yeah. There's absolutely yeah, that's no, fine. When I was a little kid, I loved going to the movies and, you know, having the candies and, you know, seeing the cartoons and all that stuff. So, you know, that, that's an experience that I understand and I get. Um, this whole thing, like uh, a buddy of mine told me on Facebook last night, he was all sorts of pissed off because a good friend gave away the good wife spoiler to him ahead of time. And, and he was really upset about that because that's his favorite show. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, he it's one of my favorites. Yeah. And so he felt like he had something really ruined for him in in the viewing experience. And it isn't so much ruined as the it alters high, it. the highlight. It well, alters. yeah, because you're not you don't get the surprise, right? Uh, so then she lied to me and told me before we watched it, I said, "How could you do that? Terrible!" And she lied and said, "Oh, but it's you know not for a few seasons yet." <laughs> nice try. It didn't work. Nice yeah, I know. So yeah, as soon I, as there I, was the trouble, I knew he was dead. Anyway, that's you know what. My last thing on on all of that is is two two parts. Number one, it's incredible that I saw the interview with Josh Charles. He knew a full year ago he was leaving the show. He wanted to go off to do other things. Mm-hmm. He and the producers kept this a secret for all that time. But on top of that, they still had to film these scenes. But my guess is, if you look at the scenes with Josh Charles in the courtroom, mm-hmm. there's no there's no extras in there at that point. There's there was no extras. He's laying there on the floor of the courtroom, and there's no extras around him. In the hospital, in the ER room, there's no extras anywhere near him. Right. They deliberately, you could tell that they deliberately made sure. That's why they didn't show the actual shooting either. Mm-hmm. Because if they showed the actual shooting, all the extras that are were in the courtroom to begin with, oh, you, right. you increase the chances of spoilers getting it out. Yeah. Absolutely. And it would have leaked out. Had he, had he been shot and where they showed in the middle of the court, mm-hmm. it would have leaked out. But I, that was the one thing, as much as I didn't really like the episode for various reasons, um, yeah. but I, I was like, wow, instantly. It was like, they wanted to keep this so secret that they mm-hmm. made sure the two scenes that showed him with his wounds, it was only the very main actors involved. And they probably more than likely had a skeleton film crew as well, minimizing the potential for that secret. Yeah, to because get out. the shots were very simple shots too. So maybe they were just able to do it with, a, with a small crew. You know, it's yeah, funny because what guys. I... It's funny you mentioned the little uh, trivia part of it because I didn't, of course, I didn't know. But every time any character dies on a series, I always tell my wife, "Yeah, that's because they asked for more money and they they didn't get it." You know, right? Which may well, be the case actually this time, but well, or either that or they really died, which of course that's not the case. Well, that, sadly, the other day, uh, James Rebhorn died. The father, the father of Carrie's father on Homeland. 
Gary's father. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of see. He was in. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been in a lot of things. He's yeah. been. He passed away. Oh, I didn't I, even know that. He passed away Friday. Uh, he, he's been battling skin cancer for almost tw- over twenty years. Huh. Over twenty years. And uh, yeah, and he passed away there. He's been in everything. He's one of those yeah. character actors that are great, and you see them in everything. And as soon as you see their picture, like online. You're like, oh my god! I've seen, he's in everything. Interesting, and he, yeah. And he wrote his own obituary. <laughs> That's funny. And it was actually, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautifully written. Um, it was touching. Uh, it was really, really cool. What in really the form good. of a blog post? No, they he wrote it ahead of time, and his church website posted it afterwards. Oh, you after mean while well, he passing. knew, he, but I mean recently he knew he was ill. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's been oh, in. Yeah. A, he, he came. They brought him home for hospice I care at his house for the last week and a half, right. and he wrote this very touching mm-hmm. and mentioning his wife and his two daughters and and, and his family and so forth. And uh, yeah, it was really neat. It was really cool. It was like, uh, was say the, inter- say the name again, because I I know exactly who you're talking about. What was what's the name, James? Rebhorn, R E B H O R D H O R N. I'll look that up. That's that's yeah. interesting. I did not see that. Some for some reason I did not see that online because generally they this Times or somebody would post a photo because the guy's been like you say he's huge. If you look at him on IMDb, uh, there's he's probably you know got fifty roles that he's been in. On oh, it TV. came out yesterday, yesterday or Sunday. It was announced, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and it's, it was all over the place yesterday. I didn't see that. Okay, but, well that's uh, good. I'm yeah. glad you. I mean, oh. it's good. Not good that he died. It's good that you mention it because um, that's interesting. There are many people. We should maybe make a list. And go through it sometime of people like that who have been, I mean, you've seen him in everything. There's the grizzly general who's been in, you know, a million movies. There's all these, the cop's father. I don't know if, did you ever watch um, yeah. NYPD Blue, for example? Yeah. Yep. So yep. there was the young guy who's in a million other series now. He's got kind of a, almost a French sounding name. Uh, but he's the young cop. There was just so many characters in that. It's almost impossible to get into it. But the point is, There's, his dad... The guy who committed, he committed suicide, he was retired. If you can picture him, he's been in like 50,000 things where he's the grizzly police guy. He's all, you know, totally jaded and uh, kind of a real rigid, tight-ass officer type. So that's kind of who's still around and probably still in some big thing right now. I think he's in, actually, I think I just saw him in something. So those are are interesting. These character actors are are fantastic. They're they're gold. there's a documentary out there. I watched it on uh, – it's still on Netflix, I think. I saw it on Netflix last year, and it's called something about – something like uh, Where Where Have I Seen You Before? Oh, yeah. And it's a documentary from about five or six years ago, and it's actually stars like six or seven well-known character actors, well-known as far as you've seen them doing a million things. You probably don't know their name. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that whole thing about how their whole career has been built on – playing many, many, many roles on different TV shows and movies that, you know, everybody really loves them, but they're never going to be the leading person and they're not going to lead a series for five years kind of thing. But they're always asked and and, and they went through the whole audition process, how they still have to audition for roles and, you know, some of them less than others. But it was actually quite fascinating. It's on Netflix. It was still as of a couple of months ago. It's something like uh, where have I seen you before? Something like that. I'm going to look that up. Definitely. You know, speaking, speaking of ne- speaking Netflix. of Netflix, well, I was just going to say, speaking of Netflix, one quick thing, which is, I showed, I told somebody, yeah, go look at this on Netflix, and you know what? The next day, it wasn't on. So, stuff comes and goes on Netflix due to it some does. kind of rights thing, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. yes. or whatever. So they can only show it. So that may not be there. I don't know, but. 
Well, they do. And there's a, um, I should have, if I'd known we were going to talk about this, I would have wrote down. There's a website that every month, it's usually the first of the month Mm -hmm. that there's a rotation on Netflix. I mean, there's a lot of things that stay for years and years, but there are some that come and go because of rights deals. Yeah. Mostly horrible movies because they have one of the worst selection of dogs on Netflix. Honestly, I love Netflix for some things, but for other things, the most of the movies are like just you know, you know why they're there because they didn't make a dime when they were out and nobody cared. And I mean, even movies with stars. You look up yeah. movies with, you know, somebody like Shirley MacLaine who's made a thousand movies. Well, out of the thousand, there may be a few hundred that are not that memorable. Or people who have made it later and they're young, like Jeff Daniels. I, I think Jeff Daniels is a fantastic actor. But uh, I've I seen do. him in just dogs, you know, from er, from the early days. And, well, there's some paycheck movies. There's paycheck movies. He does some paycheck movies. Uh-huh, they, uh-huh. All, they all do. They all yeah. Do. And I mean, uh, hey, more power to them. I mean, De Niro at this point, that's mostly what he does. Anyway, let's uh, we were going to talk a little bit about House of Cards. And I want to yeah. just want to put something to you and see if you agree. I don't know if you saw this. I already posted it, actually. But it seemed to me, it occurred to me after watching the last House of Cards of season two, which ends with the president resigning and our friend uh, Kevin Spacey becoming the president, which, by the way, was a little bit of a disappointing uh, development for the end of the season, in my opinion. I can explain that later. But the point is, it occurred to me that they're Democrats. And if you look at the Nixon situation, where Nixon was the manipulator president, resigned, and you got the clueless Ford, at least at that time when he came in. I think he was fairly clueless. Maybe maybe we're wrong about that. But anyway, it's kind of a mirror reflection where the vice president, you know, was the Machiavellian guy who was doing all this stuff, and then right. he eventually manipulated himself. And just to explain why I say I was a little disappointed, I think they should have left, I guess they didn't dare do it, or maybe there was reasons like they weren't sure there was going to be a third season, but I would have preferred that they left it up in the air. I would have shouted in, in, at the TV, you know, you can't, but it would have, in my opinion, it's really hard to to figure out, you know, what the interesting things are going to be, I guess maybe if there's only a third season, it'll be his downfall. Uh, hard to say how that's going to work out. I don't know how what the figures are for them, but uh, I thought it was very interesting that they started the season with uh, the murder of Zoe, though. That seemed interesting. I mean, that that, that was audacious. Anyway, was, was that the first or second episode, that one? Also, the uh, story of the hacker is kind of interesting. It's kind of thrown in there, but it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, what was your opinion? What was your impression of the end, first of all, of the end of the season two? was funny well, that the very, very, very last scene, seconds before that very last scene, when, when uh, she gave him the replica of his ring mm-hmm. and I reached over and I went to my wife and did the double tap. Oh yeah. 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 And, and then seconds later, all of a sudden ah, it was, and I love house of cards, but that last split second was like kind of like a cheesy horror show. You know, mm-hmm. he's like on his hands on the desk, leaning forward, you know, with his head down, but eyes looking up at the camera, all menacing mm-hmm. and then does the double rap. That was kind of a cheesy, you know, I mean, when it showed him like dismissing that chair, shoving it aside. Mm-hmm. Yes, it goes into character with how he is, but 
it was like the the evil. They wanted you to show that the evil, and he really truly is a very evil person. He's Boy. a murderer. Um, that that evil just oozed out of his pores in that moment. He, it, I and I get that. That's the point they were trying to make right there. Was that that now the beast has been unleashed? I yeah. I guess maybe I kind of missed that. In uh, that sounds right. Maybe maybe that's why. You know, maybe I didn't feel the tension was right. I mean, I'm not criticizing either. I love the show. I think it's fantastic, and I and I devour devour every moment of it. I have a question about plot detail because I was listening to Cord Cutters or K, yeah, Cord Cutters podcast. They they've talked about this stuff, and they there was something that they did not mention that I thought was very significant. And here's my question to you: um, the his uh, chief of staff, whose name I can never remember. Doug. Yeah, Doug. Uh, Stamper. Doug Stamper. Doug Stamper. Stamper, first of all, is he dead? I think he's dead, right? Yeah, yeah. He's been laying there for hours and hours. That's what I thought. Eyes massive, open or something. His eyes open and he's just laying there. All right, so he's dead. Yep. And he was, by the way, he certainly does. If anybody deserved to die in that series, he's he's pretty awful guy with what he was yes, doing he with was. Rachel. Yes. But, but that was his job. Anyway, he was kind of a weird, screwed up, hello, you know, read me, what was Tale of Two Cities? <laughs> read me, read to me Tale well, of Two Cities. He was a fellow psychopath to oh, Frank. Oh, God, yeah. So anyway, my question to you, though, is um, next season, so Rachel, the reason he was fucking with Rachel all the time, besides the fact that he was screwed up, the reason, the control is that Rachel knows about the murder of, of um, um, Chris. Peter. Isn't his name Peter, the first the politician? Peter, Peter, yes. Yeah, the, he, the politician that was killed in the first season. She was almost kind of a part of it, unwilling, unwittingly. Or, she knows right. about it anyway. She's the danger, and that's, why, he's, that's, that's why he's handling her. In the, in the, it never, the, the one plot twist that never made any sense, and it still doesn't make any sense, even taking dramatic license mm-hmm. into, into effect, there's not a reason in the world why she's still breathing. Not a reason in the world. Nobody knows her from Adam. Exactly. She yeah. squirreled away. No, there's no reason. She is the loose end, and she always has been, and it's never made any sense. And Frank did at one time earlier this season, in season two, did mention to him about wanting the loose end tied up. Right. And it was re- he was really uh, uh, referring to Rachel. And isn't but isn't isn't it that Doug was in love with her, obsessed with her in another way, right? Obsessed with her. So the, I, yeah, and I'm, that's why he's hiding her and doing all the extra management, right? Because he knew that he was really supposed to kill her. I mean, Frank had no problems killing Peter. Frank obviously had no problems killing uh, Kate Mara's character. So I had no problem kill? with Peter dying either, frankly. I, I don't know why. I didn't really like that character. I loved him. I loved that. Oh, I'm so I sorry. Was I was <laughs> pissed when they killed him off. My condolences. My, yeah. But um, but the whole time that's been – I understand why they kept Rachel alive because Doug really is going against Frank by letting her breathe still because she is a major liability to them. And so now the thing is, is that show was only, it was guaranteed two full seasons when they signed up, Uh Kevin Speedy and Robin Wright signed up. It was signed up for two years. There was no guarantees past that because this was a new concept for Netflix. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
I think it's proven it's uh, worth. Yeah, uh, but I've never, I never heard. I, I never went to look, frankly, because I, I just figured I'd find out when I found out if there was even going to be a season three to begin with. If Kevin Spacey was going to want to do it, Robin Wright's going to want to well, do he, it. I think he's got money in it too, and or he's an executive yeah, he's producer. Executive. So, and he's certainly got a percentage of it. So now that and he's how doing much, well. And, and how much was his career really doing for the last ten years? He was huge during the nineties late 90s maybe even early aughts for a couple of years kevin spacey was Mm -hmm. pretty big yeah but let's be honest for the last 10 years kevin spacey hasn't done squat i mean he's been in a lot of movies but he's not a box office draw anymore he's not what he was for that about that five-year period he was he was massive he was a star and you hit on an important general concept about the television things whether it's hbo or netflix or or even fxx or fox or whatever fx uh, which is that, and this is helping all of us, I think, uh, with the quality, is that actors, especially as they get older and if they're not like superheroes, you know, the young people, when you look at social media, what do you see? You're seeing this crazy, you know, I'm not into that. I'm I'm too old for it, and I never was a comic book reader. But these things are all huge. Yeah. So people are looking at these big, big, bigger-than-life things, which is, yeah, that's fine. But if you like real drama... Uh, let's face it, you're, you're going to be watching HBO, you're going to be watching FX, or you're going to be watching Netflix, because that's where the great, right. great actors like uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, Matthew McConaughey, I mean, wow, that's the, the quality, you know, like detect- True Detective, the quality of these things in House of Cards, and the length, because as you get older, you like to have this knowing that you're going to have at least eight hours or 12 hours of a drama. I mean, it's just right. the arcs are so much more sophisticated than whether Superman or Batman's going to, you know, get out of this one situation in the next, you know, two hours, max, two, two and a half hours. So uh, that whole concept, like Spacey's one example of a great actor, but I think uh, McConaughey, or how you pronounce it, McConaughey, is yeah. also, I mean, I did you see The Lincoln Lawyer by any chance? He was so brilliant in that movie, I thought. That, I still want to see that. I keep forgetting. Oh, you got to see that. Uh, and I want to see that, and I'm going to be watching the da- Dallas Buyers Club, obviously. I'm going to watch that, too. I haven't seen it yet, but, but The Lincoln Lawyer, is just, it's a very, very good movie with some nice twists. And uh, I think he just does a fantastic job in that movie. Anyway, House of Cards. So the next year, we've got to start with the fact that uh, Doug's car is found someplace. Sure. And a big search for Rachel. Who's going to take over for Doug? This twit that they hired, uh, the the spin doctor guy? Yeah, the the press secretary, probably, because he has a lot of... He's got a lot of dirt on them, too. He's got a lot of dirt on him, too. But but like I said to my wife, the convenient thing with Doug being killed now, other than the Rachel factor, is a lot of secrets just died with him. Um, So if they knocked off Rachel, there's a lot of secrets that are gone for good. My, for me, the, because I watch a lot of foreign TV, I watch a lot of British TV and Scandinavian TV, which a lot of the U.S. series now are based on, and most Americans don't realize that, and they don't care, obviously, but that a lot of these series are based on that. So, like, House of Cards was originally a BBC miniseries, like a, a three or four, four years, I think it was, back in uh-huh. the beginning of the 90s. The first season of the British House of Cards, it's, I think, four episodes, and it's on Netflix, was brilliant. Um, the second season was less brilliant. It was okay. By the beginning of the third season, I couldn't watch it anymore and stopped. 
But my point being is that a lot of these, not a lot of the plot twists, but several of the major plot twists were already in the original so that like, I already knew that he was going to be elevating himself to the presidency when he was still the house whip. I knew the reporter was going to die if they followed along with the British, mm-hmm. because in the British version, at the end of the first season, the, in that one, he was called Francis. Francis throws her off a balcony uh, and they were having an affair also. So it wasn't surprising to me. Like it, well, I didn't say anything to my wife because she never saw the British version. So she, you know, she was very surprised when, you know, Frank pushed, you know, Kate Mara's character we in front were. of the subway. Yeah. Sadly, I wasn't. Yeah. Because well, it was like, I, I was surprised that they did it in the first episode of season two, but I was like, okay, if they're following along even remotely to the British version, she's dying. And that's where it kind of sucks when, when a show, when you already know some of that stuff coming up, it's inherently like a spoiler. Um, but you know, I really, I enjoy house of cards. I try not to tear apart shows too much. Like, because of what I do for a living now, I find I find that I can't really watch with, with any degree of seriousness courtroom shows anymore, like The Good Wife the other night, because it was like introducing evidence suddenly. It's like, oh bullshit, that's not what happens. And right. you know, and lawyers, you stand up when you're when you're uh, well, also questioning, questioning witnesses. Also, you but, look at the no. I just wanted to know whether uh, judges, because in that series, but in also in many other legal series, the judges are all nuts. They're all characters are all really funny and making stupid comments. I mean, is that is there any truth in that? There might be, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, Hollywood is Hollywood, you know, yeah. and, and and there's dramatic license taken, and there's dramatic license taken, you know, in House of Cards. Sure. To a lesser degree, to a lesser degree. Um, I've really enjoyed this series and uh, I try to put a few of the things behind, but the, the hacker part is kind of annoying me at this point. It's like, you know, they needed that plot device though. Cause that's they another did. leap. They, they did. Know? They did. I, I agree. They did need that plot device. Um, however, the real shocker, <laughs> not shocker, but because you, if you saw season one, you knew already that Frank had, uh, you know, played both sides of the fence so to speak yes uh, right that that's surprised that scene surprised surprised me too yeah that scene was like okay the three-way with his wife and the and the secret service agent there that was that was pretty and then the, her comment the next day i thought spoke volumes you needed that yeah 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 and he said oh, i feel refreshed and she said i took a couple of aspirin because they were hung over or something <laughs> So speaking of so leave got, the speaking of leave the bottle of those guys. Yeah, so I mean, so really, frankly, she was into it, obviously, but she it was not really so much about her. It, she's feeding yeah. him constantly, feeding him what he needs to move forward. She's the real behind the scenes really pusher. Because she's the real. I mean, they're both two sociopaths, but she knows how to guide Frank. And then let him go from there. You know, she kind of like winds him up and goes. So her little, the three way with the secret service agent was her way of in that, in that time when he really needed, you know, things were looking bad and things were looking, you know, down and, you know, is he going to go to jail where, you know, he can have all the fun he wants there with (laughs) the place. Um, But this was her way of getting him refocused again. Mm -hmm. Eyes on the prize, eyes on the prize. And that, also, uh, I wondered for a long time, why did he keep insisting on having this guy be- uh, integrate his Secret Service and all that? Remember, the guy was a local cop, right? Yes. And that yes. started way back. So they've been nurturing that little thing way back. He kept saying, oh, 
yeah. And he, and he ordered the man to be on his security team, which, by the way, in reality, probably isn't even possible. No. Uh, so, no. you know, because the, what people don't know is that things like the Secret Service, the, the president doesn't direct that stuff, I don't think. Honest to God, you know. No, so, uh, and which is why the president can't do whatever he wants when he gets there. It's part of the resistance, I think, that Obama encounters, by the way, is that there's a lot of agencies in government, and you don't control them all. You're not the big shot. You're you're a big shot, but you're not the boss. This leader of the free world thing, by the way, is is a a perfect example of overestimating the worth of things like that, because I don't think that's true. I, I really don't. And it may never have been true, but it's certainly not true today. Well, the power I'm talking about. You don't have yeah. – yeah, you got a bunch of nukes, okay. But you know what? If Pakistan managed to uh, – or some other country managed to lob one over someplace, it's going to do the same damage. You know what I mean? So it's not It's not that simple anymore. Also, I, the, the whole idea of the vice president when, he, when Frank became the vice president, that they were just going to convert his house into the vice president right. residency. That's all – on plot. a regular street, it's like, yeah. and again, that's plot device that, okay, I accept, I accept, uh, that we're not watching a documentary. Right, we're right. watching it. We're watching a TV show. So that's fine. I mean, I, and I really, I do love House of Cards. So I don't have any, pro, you know, I don't want to pick it apart. I am, is Jackie going to be the vice president? Oh, yeah. Who's going to, we don't know. That's right. Who's going to be vice president? And she would, is, in, in real life, that would actually be a likely choice, although I can't stand the woman, but, uh, I think that's also, done on purpose you know what, what she did to the what she did to the guy uh who raised with her, his daughter you know, right that's that was so heinous i mean but, but you know that you have to have that that's the soap opera as, aspect of it but the reason i don't see that happening is even though they could have made that deal they you know, obviously some deal was made for her to to work with him again but the thing is is as somebody said to, she's learned the game too well yeah She's too dangerous. Frank, Frank is not going to want a little mini me yeah. as his vice president to take him out like he was like he took out the president. Yeah, she he has her right where he wants her as the house whip and where where she can do his bidding. But I would think you know because at first I thought well maybe she'll be the vice president when I was watching the the final show last weekend. But then I was like no. Then he's got I mean yes keep your enemies close kind of thing. Yeah. But, that's but you just don't give them power. Close. You don't empower no, them. You, you keep them close. No, you don't empower them. You keep her right where she is now, where she's going to have a lot of power anyways, but not so close that she could end up taking him out. So it, it's going to be interesting. I haven't heard about how many seasons there's going to be. but um, Well, we know there's one more at least, right? At least one more, yes. Yeah, I think I they'll, they'll do – they'll adopt a wait and see. And, you know, it could – interest to it could peter out too. Uh and by the way, another little thing, and I don't mean to pick on the show either. I love the show, as I said. But at the same time, I don't think the vice president reality has anywhere near the clout that Frank has either, no matter how much they screw around. If you think about, at least as far as we know of any vice president I can think of, they're practically titular heads. And in things like the West Wing, you know, they were shined on throughout the entire series and, you know, pretty much treated as, uh, uh, you know, 
dogs, I would say. In fact, most people treat their dogs better than the vice presidents are treated. The, you know, it's the president and then there's everybody else. It, it, you'd well, think my, my, dog, my dog is smarter than most of the vice presidents yeah. along the way, especially I Dan Quayle. I don't doubt it. Was he really vice president? That was a long, long time ago. Yeah, he was Bush the first vice president. Most of the time, vice presidents are there for supermarket openings, baseball games, and in case the president croaks. Right. No, well, they're president. Aren't they president of the the Senate or something like that? When's the last time there was a vote in the Senate that was so close that a tiebreaker was needed? Exactly. Listeners, you know, if somebody wants to go Google or or write me at James Bareford at gmail.com to tell me I'm wrong on that, please tell me. But otherwise, you know, unless if the president holds it up for four years, what's the, the vice presidents, even active ones like Biden. I mean, he's, he, Biden is your goofy, you know, your, your uncle at the, at the yeah. barbecue. Yeah. You don't who, hear much. Who everybody of loves. I mean, who everybody loves, you know, uncle Joe mm-hmm. at the barbecue, getting drunk, making an ass of himself, but everybody loves him for it. That's Biden basically. You know, and other vice presidents. Well, and then again, you could say about Cheney that he was the real power. Well, yeah, so, that's a good point. That so, nobody, so it's actually, maybe we're completely freaking wrong. No, on no. That. You I mean, know what? Look at Cheney. Yeah. Now that you mention it, uh, you so you actually hit the nail like on the France. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're you're 100 percent right there. I wasn't thinking of him, and you know why? Because I like to put those years behind me. <laughs> and I'm sh- I don't think I'm. And alone you didn't even it. live here during that. You no, but we get it. We get it. No, you're era. right. You're right. So I take it all back. But it was it's exceptional that a vice president leads and you'd have to have a real doofus as a president. And by the way, a couple of final comments about House of Cards. The first one being that the president in House of Cards was a really, really a doofus, a clueless. I mean, you know, that's a little. But then they suddenly but then they suddenly had him and near the end realizing all these things about Frank all this time. He was a doofus, like you're saying. But then suddenly he had this clarity of but even in how duplicitous. But even in but even in meetings, you're right. You're right. But but even in meetings where they just showed him speaking. I don't know. Maybe it was the writing or the actor too. You never know. But but the concept of the of the president, he was he was he was really weak and indecisive, which reminds me of my final point, which is these are Democrats, and it seems to me that if Democrats were as crafty and nefarious and devious as in the House of Cards, we'd in a way be better off probably because it seems to me that the Democratic Party has lost any talent they ever had to do get anything done. And so they leave it to the Republicans who have gotten to this other, you know, other polarity where it's just so insane and they just seem to be able to push all this stuff through that you would never have believed 20 years ago could be possible. And I know you know what I'm talking about. We don't have to make a list. There's no, just all absolutely. these human rights issues and that they, they have a racist speech and the whole – all of this stuff is so out there, it's hard to believe it's even happening. And I what I'm saying, though, is I don't blame them as much as I blame the Democrats for not being able to get in there. Not I'm not saying they need to play dirty, by the way. I'm saying they should grow a pair, I guess, is the best way they to put become, it. The Democrats have become ballless wonders. They really have. Um, they acquiesce at the slightest – hint of trouble by the republicans you know i give the republicans a lot of credit because they go with their beliefs and that's it right wrong or indifferent this is what i stand for this is what i believe 
I'm not budging. I happen to, uh, to think that that's not exactly the right way to go about things because in, in a democracy, the alleged democracy, right. there yeah. has to be, there has to be some partisan, <clears throat> excuse me, there has to be some partisan compromise along the way. Republicans don't compromise, uh, almost ever. And Democrats say, too quick. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know, and then they whine and they cry and they bitch and they moan. And, you know, yet people are going to tell me, well, you know what? You know, Obama's been blocked at every turn by the Republicans. Absolutely right. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It, it's, you're a fool if you try to tell me that Obama hasn't, his judicial nominations, his appointments have been yeah. blocked over and over. But that said, you know, you have a Democratic Party at this point who is extraordinarily weak, considering till four years ago, they owned the House and the Senate. I know. know. And the presidency. And at this point, you would think that the Democrats have been out of power completely for generations. They're, I don't know if it's afraid, if they're splintered because, you know, there's all the, because there's so many different um, topics that they want to deal with instead of narrowing it down to a few topics. So everybody has their pet projects and they don't, they only want to think about their pet projects. Well, you know, my pet project is women's rights or my pet project is, you know, gay rights or my pet project is feeding the poor. And those are all wonderful and all necessary projects. And they're not essentially really pet projects, but they're to those people, Mm -hmm. to those people with blinders on to their own, uh, to their own uh, views instead of coming together. I guess what it comes down to in the end is Democrats do a shitty job coming together. Republicans, Republicans do a great job coming together. And, you know, I, I don't understand it, but I don't know when you, when you see something like house of cards, yes, it's, it's not, I would say there's probably people who will say, well, a lot of that really does happen in Washington. Yeah. But it happens more on the Republican side where they actually, you know, I'm not saying they kill people. I don't know, but the way Frank is effective, uh, I think is way more than the, his performance report is higher than most Democrat uh, politicians. (laughs) Honestly. All, all I all I expect out of my politicians is absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's unfortunate because you know we're supposed to be living under a democracy, and I don't feel represented, and I don't think many other people do. And what's no. really odd is that how people vote against their interests. That's a whole t- other topic because we probably yep. need to close this out here. But it's unfortunate that uh, things are the way they are and all you can do is vote or become an activist and militate or whatever the word is but um even if it's not a word it's still a nice word the other the other solution also is to do what you can in your own life to make things better for people and we do that with kiva.org which you can go to and join our team we'll put uh you know you can see that on the site leave the bottle podcast.com and uh, just, you know, straighten your own life out as much as you can. Smile at people. Give them a reason to think that life is worth living. Do whatever you can when, you know, you're being waited on by somebody. That whole thing of and just we, trying to be a good person all day. And when, you, and when you're stuck behind me in traffic later on uh, in a few minutes from now, don't start beeping at me because I'm just going to flip you off. Yeah, or just stay on the <laughs> hold the brakes for about five minutes. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate people are. We need, oh, we, we need to chill. We need. I, I, I got to get going here, but funny story. I'm stuck in traffic yesterday morning on my way into work because there was an accident on the interstate, 
And so it was, we were stuck. I mean, for like 40 minutes or something like that. And almost the entire time I have this woman be right behind me because we're bumper to bumper and she's met madder by the minute. And I don't know if she at first, if she was on the phone or what, because I couldn't see if she was like a oh, Bluetooth or something. And the F bombs that I'm watching her in my rear mirror and she's probably like 35 or 40, maybe early forties. And the F bombs are dropping and she's getting madder and she's getting madder. And, you know, I was, this, it was a drag, you know, being stuck in traffic, but the comic value of watching her in my rear view mirror as we're going two feet at a time was just priceless. I was like, oh, my God, I wish I had this on tape right now because it was funny. She had more F-bombs than on Banshee. It was hysterical. <laughs> That's a lot. But let me, let me cap your story off with a very short version of mine, which is that I hated that. I always – it drove me nuts. In this country, they blink their brights. You know, maybe they still yeah. they do that there, too, because on the freeway, really you don't right. honk much. So you, you're blinking the lights. And that used to drive me nuts uh, when you're in a long tail on the freeway and so on. Until the day that I had absolutely horrible diarrhea. And then it came to me. I understood everything. <laughs> I understood. Of course, those people don't necessarily always. But uh, you could maybe just think that somebody may actually have once in a while a reason to be in a hurry and be cursing you out. Ah, uh, she was just being a jerk. <laughs> we can't was, know that. We can't oh, know that. Oh, I know, I know. I'm supplying my own narrative for this person who I'll never talk to, and I get that. I, but you know what? It's my narrative. I own it, and I thought it was really funny. And it was she made this whole experience for me yesterday morning much more pleasurable because – <laughs> normally, normally it's me who's getting all pissed off behind the wheel, and instead I was watching her, and just it was hysterical. I'm listening to a podcast, and I'm watching her, and before the time went by, watching her just getting madder and madder. It was funny. imagine if you could have real time chat between cars, uh, and it wasn't now, under your that control. Would cool, <laughs> somebody that would have been cool. Instead of a horn, you, why you idiot, get a you know. Well, with Waves, with that with, with that app Waves, you can actually kind of do that. You can kind of communicate back and really? forth between cars. Yeah, I or, or like yeah, you can like nearby. It'll show other Waves users right nearby, and you can like essentially communicate back and I forth. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, so uh, House of Cards, two thumbs up. Yep, maybe three even. Yeah, I, you know what? I love it, and I I told myself I'm not going to binge watch. I'm going to watch one a week. And the last couple of weeks, I broke my pledge. The first, <laughs> the first five weeks, I watched one a week, and that was it. And then it was like, okay, we we went through our little marathon, and over like four nights, I think we went through our marathon. We we watched two or three a night to finish it up. So, but good show, good show, and and it got us on a little political tangent. Oh boy, too. Yeah. So it's that's always good on my part. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't take me much much to get ranting. Yeah, so. just send your email to invalid at invalid.com. James Barrford, B A R R A F O R D at gmail dot com. Blow me kisses. Tell me I'm an asshole. <laughs> That's okay. I thought you were going to okay. say, never mind, never mind. <laughs> that too. Hey, you know what? I always say my dogs love uh, me, so that's okay. You can hear more from Leave the Bottle Podcast by going to leavethebottlepodcast.com. You can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or find us on SoundCloud. 